Hello, and welcome to the Sustainalytics Podcast. My name is Melissa Chase, and I'm part of the marketing communications team here at Sustainalytics. This week, our guests are the co-authors of our most recent ESG Spotlight series report entitled Managing Data Privacy Risk, Comparing the FANG Plus Stocks. In their conversation, they discuss why data privacy is a growing issue for all companies, our research on top tech companies' exposure to data privacy issues, and our assessment of how well companies are managing those issues. They also share their thoughts on how the issue of data privacy could evolve over the next few years. Remember, you can download this or any of our thematic research reports from our website, www.sustainalytics.com. That's www.sustainalytics.com. And if you have any questions or comments about this week's episodes or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at contact at sustainalytics.com. And with that, please enjoy our conversation on how companies are managing data privacy risk. Hi, everyone. My name is Doug Morrow. I'm a director on the thematic research team here at Sustainalytics. And I'm delighted to be here today to moderate our podcast on our recent ESG Spotlight, which was titled Managing Data Privacy Risk, Comparing the FANG Plus Stocks. And I'm joined today by three team members. We have Matt Barg, who's a sector manager on our technology, media, and telecom team. Hey, how's it going? Moin Syed, who's an associate on the technology, media, and telecom team. Hi, Doug. And Martin Vezer, who is a senior associate on our thematic research team. Hi, everyone. So thank you all uh, for joining me here today. Um, they were all uh, co-authors on, on the piece together with myself. And what we plan to do is just go over some of the key findings from this, uh, from this spotlight that we put out. So Matt, I'd like to start with you. Can you just talk a little bit about data privacy risk and why it's so important these days for shareholders? Yeah, happy to get us started. So we've been watching data privacy as an important ESG issue for some time. I think Snowden in 2013 was sort of the big trigger. Uh, but in the last couple of years, several events have also pushed awareness of this. Uh, the breaches at Yahoo and Equifax were shocking because of their scale. Last summer, Google got hit with a record antitrust fine in Europe. Uh, we've seen the explosion of the term fake news and real concern about misinformation and manipulation online. And of course, Facebook recently got hit with news that Cambridge Analytica was harvesting its user data. So the big unifying factor in all of these controversies was data and often personally identifiable information. Uh, and what this helps us understand is just how central data is and how companies develop and provide products and services, marketing strategies, and also risk management. So data's pervasiveness is enabling or supporting a huge amount of economic activity. Uh, but with that upside comes expectation. Companies need to protect this asset, show that they understand what they are doing with it, and that they're capable of keeping it secure. This is more key because the data itself is from people. Uh, regulators are keen in on this. There are already rules dictating how they collect and treat data, and we're seeing new ones. GDPR is the latest and greatest, and it might be you know, sort of the harbinger, as it were, of more. Users are more and more sav savvy about privacy and the advantage their data gives companies. So that's a trust that businesses need to protect. And investors are asking more and more about how companies they are invested in are using, treating, and protected, protecting data 
as they themselves become more educated and are wondering how they're supposed to make their decisions around this exploding you know, asset. So ultimately, the scrutiny on how companies are using data is here to stay, and it's focusing that exposure to risk. Great. Yeah, it's interesting that you say asset because I think you're right. Uh, in this new economy, uh, data is very much a, a new asset um, in the same way that other commodities were in the past. I, I think that's really interesting. So, Moy, what's what's your view? Uh, why why do you think data privacy risk is, is so important? And why does it matter for investors? Uh, sure, Doug. You know, uh, in this spotlight, we looked at uh, the FANG Plus stocks, which are Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, alongside Microsoft and Twitter. But Matt hinted at this earlier. Uh, data privacy is, is a is an economy-wide issue, uh, really, uh, as more and more firms uh, and companies try to monetize this asset. And up until recently, the narrative around it has largely been the upside narrative, right? Hey, you can leverage this data, you can become more efficient, you can do all kinds of neat things and things with it. Like, for example, insurance providers can use your fitness tracking data to determine whether you live a healthy lifestyle, and that can affect your premiums. But what the Facebook uh, Cambridge Analytica incident and on some of the preceding events that uh, Matt talked about, they've kind of created this like almost like a watershed moment where people are now beginning to see the real risks of the data that companies hold on us and what can it, what can be done with it. So things like fake news, misinformation, or, or even exploiting people's uh, online behavior to target, you know, po politically motivated ads. And that has really, you know, come up on the on the radar for a lot of people. And it's signifying a structural shift almost around things like consent or meaningful consent. So for investors who have, you know, uh, invested a lot of money or for shareholders, their, uh, their understanding of Facebook's value is driven by the fact that Facebook has this unstranded asset that they can monetize anytime. But it's more and more becoming like a stranded asset where Facebook is going to increasingly control who can access the data, and that might limit their ops, like monetization potential in the future. So even after Cambridge Analytica, Facebook said that they have already you know, stopped the development of certain products or even put a stop at product releases, primarily driven by privacy fears. So now how that manifests itself in their bottom line, that's what only time can tell. But that's sort of some of the, the risk that investors can see. Maybe the, the price-to-earnings ratio for Facebook may not be as attractive going forward uh, based on some of the risk that privacy has come up, uh, represented. Hmm, that's really interesting to sort of bring this idea of, of stranded uh, asset risk into the, that paradigm into, into the discussion. That's a good point. So Martin, over to you. Uh, what's what's your view on data privacy risk? Why why do you think it's so uh, important these days for for investors? We do see uh, investors responding to the fallout from the Cambridge Analytica scandal, as well as uh, other issues that uh, Matt and Moline have already mentioned. Um, in response to the Cambridge Analytica scandal coming to light. Uh, Facebook shares entered bear market territory. Uh, shortly after the scandal broke, uh, the Federal Trade Commission confirmed that it was launching a probe uh, into this issue. And when that news hit the market, Facebook's shares fell more than 20 percentage points from its recent highs this year. We also see investors exiting positions and voicing concerns about the long-term potential effects of uh, this probe by the FTC, as well as other regulations that are coming to market, including the GDPR. I should note, of course, since this Cambridge Analytica privacy scandal um, uh, really hit a low point, uh, the Facebook shares have rebounded substantially. In fact, uh, in mid-June, shares reached a record high of nearly 200 uh, US dollars. 
uh, and that's only two months after the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal broke. Uh, this year, the shares are up 9%, outpacing the uh, S&P 500 by more than three percentage points. So all this is to say that the situation is still very much in flux. Investors are aware of the situation, monitoring it closely, and uh, we will continue to look at these uh, issues as the story progresses. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. We also need to be thinking about how this connects to, uh, at the end of the day, to, to share prices. So uh, so thank you for that. So Moin, over to you. Um, let's move past the issue and talk a little bit more about what we did in, in the paper. So how did you go about evaluating the FANG plus stocks on this issue? Uh, sure, Doug. So in this paper, uh, there were two key components of the framework we developed um, in terms of evaluating the, the FANG plus stocks. Uh, one component was sort of their level of exposure to privacy risk, and the other was their preparedness uh, when, came, uh, when it comes to managing privacy and data security risks. So the risk exposure or level of risk exposure was a function of how, how data is used in their, in their business models. So within the FANG plus, uh, let's say, universe, there are varying approaches on how companies utilize user data. So uh, one component of that is whether there or whether or not there's a direct economic relationship with the end user. So a company like Apple, uh, they have a direct relationship with you and I because we buy their hardware, we buy their phones or Apple watches or Mac hardware, things like that. But on the other, on the flip side is a company like Facebook where it's considered a so-called free service where the relationship is mostly driven by the fact that you sign up for free and they serve you ads. And this brings up to the other com underlying component of sort of the uh, risk exposure, ad versus uh, non-ad. Facebook's 98% uh, of its revenues are de uh, derived from advertising, whereas for a company like uh, Netflix and uh, Apple, this number is negligible. Like they basically derive almost no revenue from advertising. So those, like the within our sort of framework, those two uh, drivers fed into it, and we determined sort of the level of exposure around that. So the more sensitive you are to ad revenue, the higher risk exposure, because ultimately your bottom line, uh, the company's bottom line depends on uh, aggressively monetizing user data, mm -hmm. which again uh, makes it possible for all kinds of potential abuse. With sort of with Cambridge Analytica, it was you know harvesting user data without explicit consent. And Facebook runs into that again and again because they, every time somebody, they give access to somebody to use their uh, user data on their platform, they run the risk that it could be abused in some way. And it's really hard to keep track of that data supply chain. So that's just that's sort of on the higher end of the exposure. But on Apple side, they keep a very closed loop model where all the data, let's say on your own, that when you use your phone is stored on your iPhone, Apple encrypts it, even Apple itself can't see exactly what your iMessage messages are. So that's the other sort of approach to user uh, user data. Then on the sort of management side, we're, we're, we use Sustainalytics own indicators uh, that we've been researching over the last, you know, uh, as part of our uh, of our uh, company research process to determine how companies disclose uh, management mechanisms around privacy. So one indicator is our data privacy policy indicator, which examines the company's commitment to obtaining appropriate consent when it comes to user data. And the other one being data privacy and security uh, programs, which measures the mechanisms involved in protecting user data, things like ISO 27001 certification or uh, cybersecurity audits and things like, of that nature. So that sort of was the overarching framework for this paper. Great. So, so the model basically looks at risk on the one side, 
um, and then risk management on the other. So that's, that's the way these two are coming together. Yep. Okay, great. So Martin, tell us a little bit about what we found in the paper. Sure, so we look at these two dimensions. Uh, as you mentioned, we have risk exposure as one dimension and a company's capacity to manage uh, personal data on the other side. So we looked at these two uh, dimensions and positioned the FANG plus stocks on a matrix to show how they perform both in terms of their risk exposure and their management capacity. We see interesting differentials across these seven stocks. We can see some companies on the high end of the exposure matrix, others on the low end of the exposure, and their management is what really separates them um, to uh, allow us to identify the really strong performers and the weak performers. This is a simplified matrix and it really takes into account a lot of complex information. We think that presenting this information in a simplified form will help investors get a sense of where these companies are leading and lagging the market. Just to uh, get to some of the main conclusions, we find that Facebook uh, is at a high risk position uh, because it depends heavily on ad revenues. It, also demonstrates a weak uh, management on privacy risk. Its exposure is driven by its dominance as a social media platform, uh, both within the Facebook platform, as well as other companies that it owns, including WhatsApp and uh, Instagram. Um, we find Amazon sits somewhere between what we call an ad-based model and a closed loop model. Its primary revenues are from direct relationships with customers, but it also has expanded its portfolio to include uh, products such as um, Echo or Alexa, which is a voice assist assistant. And there was recently a story about uh, potential uh, data issue with personal data being uh, transferred to contacts uh, from one of the users accounts to someone else. Uh, we have Twitter uh, facing risk exposure, but that risk exposure is limited uh, based on its approach to developing a social network around interests rather than personal relationships. Uh, Netflix is uh, limited in its exposure due to uh, product offerings really being enhanced by uh, user data that is kept within Netflix platform. Google is at high risk exposure due to its scope, uh, accounting for 72% of, of the global search engine market. Uh, but unlike Facebook, Google has relatively strong privacy uh, management programs and policies in place. Microsoft, uh, its risk is mitigated by a diversity of revenue streams, but it is also exposed to user privacy issues connected to its ad-based revenue streams uh, such as Bing, which is a search engine uh, that has been picking up quite a bit of steam lately, and its acquisition of LinkedIn. Apple is the only FANG Plus stock that has a strong privacy management profile and low risk exposure. Uh, its low risk is driven by its direct relationship with its users. Um, it tracks user data for internal R&D initiatives uh, to enhance its products and services, but the company has actually positioned itself as an advocacy, uh, as an advocate for uh, privacy as a human right. 
So as uh, we're continuing to monitor these uh, companies and, and we see that they have been taking different positions on data privacy, uh, we expect that their positions will change uh, moving forward. But uh, right now, it appears that uh, we have Apple leading the market as a company that's facing low exposure and strong um, management, where Facebook is on the other side of the spectrum, uh, facing high exposure and demonstrating a weak privacy management. Great. Okay. Thank you. So Apple comes out on top and Facebook and to a lesser extent, Amazon come out as, uh, as, as red flags in our analysis. Right. So, so thank you for that. So let's, let's switch, switch gears and uh, Matt, I'll start with you for our final question. Where, where do you think this is going to evolve over the next one to two years? How do you see data privacy risk uh, evolving and, and what do you think it, uh, investors need to know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think the breadth of awareness and expectation will keep growing. Uh, I think there's some interesting themes that I'm seeing in what's happening. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, for instance, GDPR has a lot of consent-based expectation in, in that rule. And I think this focus on meaningful consent will continue to evolve as we grow our understanding of where data is being collected and just how much of it is being collected and what it's being used for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're also going to see questions pushing for more disclosure, whether it's on cybersecurity issues or something like algorithmic transparency. I also look forward to a deepening of questions around who actually owns data and this idea of data ownership. Users might reasonably be putting more expectation on maintaining ownership of their data as the awareness that companies are making money off of them grows and they begin to more deeply understand the economic relationship that they enter into when they sign off on terms of service. Um, on breadth, I think we often think of Facebook or Google when we think about personal data, but we're really moving into a world where everyday objects are connected to the internet. So companies everywhere can know when you're doing your laundry, what the temperature in your home is, exactly where your furniture is if you've got one of those robot vacuums, and what's in your fridge, and they can start serving you ads based on that if they so choose. There are healthcare applications, so there's all this medical information that will be digitized. Our cars will be driving themselves, and that's going to be a data-based kind of application. And you know, cybersecurity in that respect will be very, very important. And we're talking about artificial intelligence all the time. Most of us probably have a fitness app that maybe stores our heart rate. And most of us have a phone that maybe gets unlocked with her fingerprint. So the so on top of all this other sort of personal information that's being connect, collected, there's also more biometric data that we're freely giving into the system. So, so there's just more and more data. There's more and more understanding of each of us out there. So I think we're just now really recognizing the scale of data and its potential. And that promise will come with very substantial expectations that the rights of those providing the data are protected in order to maintain, for companies to maintain access to that asset. Um, after Snowden, I used to think of the black swan risk, if you will, to ISPs would be that governments would just decide to cut off their access to data because user reaction would be so severe. And so the, the ad-based business model would get hit. Uh, but interestingly, I see that conversation playing out through channels such as antitrust. There's a lot of commentary going on 
amongst regulators or how we should regulate the data giants and possibly should they be broken up? And I'm talking about Google and Facebook here. So I think this regulatory focus will also be interesting to watch, partly because of that antitrust angle, partly because there may be new privacy or data-focused rules. But I think there's also some sort of non-privacy-focused rules that might come into play because a lot of the data that's being collected comes from protected groups. And I'm thinking of children and minorities here. So the idea of how certain things are being done that might discriminate or imperil some of these groups and what rules might come into play there could become something that companies need to defend themselves against. So I think it's it's multifaceted and it's going to be dynamic and it is not going to be dull even for a second. Hmm. Wow, some big themes there. Meaningful consent, algorithmic transparency, digitized economy. So some some big themes coming down the pipeline. Moin, what about for you? How do you see this issue evolving? I think you know Matt hinted at uh, talked about a lot of you know uh, really important stuff that will be interesting to watch. But I think another element that we can see from a, sort of on the company side would be privacy as a as a as an angle of competitive differentiation. Companies uh, using it as a as a as a tool to you know set themselves apart. So one example again, you know we've talked about Apple a little bit uh, as a sort of a strong performer as part, within our study as well. And you can see in their most recent uh, developer conference, they really uh, talked about the release of their new iOS, where privacy was a uh, was sort of embedded throughout. Like the, each executive talked about how the new features that they're introducing are have been developed with a view from you know from privacy, ensuring that the user always has control, and that you know as far as Apple can help it, they limit uh, the access to data. And interestingly enough, and again, this might be you know Apple. Apple's own marketing. To a large degree, Apple has stuck with this uh, sort of commitment. And, you know, Martin referred to the fact that they're probably one of the first companies to declare privacy as a human right. And with that, not only does, uh, with that comes a lot of expectation. And I, and I think Apple's trying trying to meet those expectations. But I think this is going to spill over into other companies. Other companies are going to realize that, hey, with sort of these, uh, these scandals and uh, with respect to privacy that are going on, they have a real chance to set themselves apart. And so we're probably going to see more and more privacy-focused features, you know, beginning to sh show up in products and services. And again, that might, you know, create, you know, a little bit of a tension between sort of the ad-based models and the non-ad-based model model companies. But again, I feel like that's probably one of the more interesting things we're going to see in the next couple of years. Hmm. So data as part of. Uh competitive advantage in the economy. Yeah. Really interesting, okay. Now, Martin, over to you. What, what? How do you see this issue evolving in the next little bit? Well, I see the issue evolving by expanding from this focus on some of the big tech companies to other sectors of the economy where personal data is being gathered and used uh, and monetized in different ways. We published reports about data privacy security affecting financial institutions. Uh, we've explored ways that security firms could potentially uh, experience an upside in providing products and services to help other companies and individuals protect their data. So I see what we've done in this paper as really the beginning, uh, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, looking at how some of these big tech companies have been facing risks and having to deal with the management of personal data. But this really is the beginning. We'll see uh, I think in the near future, other institutions, especially in other sectors, uh, financial services um, and, and other areas of the economy where personal data is 
being monetized, taking uh, a new look at how they're managing their risk exposure to these issues. Great. So, so data is uh, very much an economy-wide issue. Uh, absolutely. Great. So thank you, Martin. Uh, so let me, let me conclude just by, by thanking the team here. So Matt Barg, Moin Syed, and, and Martin Vezer, thank you very much for your time. And thank you to our listeners for, for joining us today on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.